Welcome to Horrible Friends. This is a podcast uh, about horror movies, kind of in a book club format. Uh, this week, we have a, a real good one. Uh, starting out, though, my name is Kyle. My name is Chris. My name is Mike. My name is Dan. And I'm Jarvis. Uh, the general flow of this podcast is uh, we are going to give a little background in history. We're going to talk about the plot the cinematography we are going to talk about the sound and music score uh gonna give it a little bit of rating and then we'll uh we'll see you off with the with the next film um so starting out with the background and and everything uh mr dan what you got for us uh, so this week we are doing the 2016 action horror movie trained basan <laughs> uh just we'll start off with the budget the budget for this movie was about $8.5 million and they made bank on this. They made about $98.5 million in the box office. Dang. Dang, dang, dang. Yeah. No joke. It, was it really, was it really only $8.5? That was the budget. $8.5. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, that's a TEDx return. That's ridiculous. That's fantastic. That that is better than Children of the Corn. So I, I found this interesting. So that was worldwide, right? And mm. this this movie's obviously reached a lot of areas, but in the US, it only made two point one million dollars. Mm. And that doesn't surprise me because a lot of times, like especially foreign movies when they come over to in North America, uh, people like, ew, subtitles, and they just don't want to watch it. Yeah, I, I think it did a lot better once it hit Netflix. I think that really uh, brought this thing out because I think I only noticed it when it was on Netflix a couple of years ago. And yeah. I think everything does better once it hits Netflix because you have a lot easier access to watching stuff you wouldn't normally watch. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if there's ever a film that can kind of bridge the divide between Americans and foreign films and subtitles, it's this one, especially if you're a horror fan, man. Mm-hmm. Th- this one's a treat. Absolutely. Uh, got anything else there, Dan? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time uh, for butchering any names. I'm going to do my genuine best, uh, and anyone listening can make fun of me. I completely understand, and I'll do it too. Uh, so the director of this movie is Yon Sang-ho, uh, and this was actually his first live-action film. All of his films that he did prior to this were all animated films, and uh, that's nothing to scoff at because... Between 2011 and 2017, he got six different awards. Uh, These are all Korean awards, but um, four of them were for best directors. So nothing to scoff at for sure. No, definitely not. Uh, The the length of this movie was approximately about two hours. Um, I did want to start adding in. If you want to watch this, like Kyle said, you could watch this on Netflix. You could also watch this on Amazon Prime. Uh, we have a we also have a sequel that just released uh, at the time of us filming this episode on the 15th of July. Hmm. It's called Peninsula, if you are interested. Uh, the little I did read about the sequel, it's not a direct sequel with the same characters. It's set about four years after this movie, and it's in the same universe of this movie. That's about as much. Uh, relation and connection it has to hmm. uh, Trent to Busan. Interesting. I did not know that. 
there's there's also a prequel to this, but that is an animated uh, movie. Oh, neat. Does that just show uh, the main character being a bad father for two hours? Because that's pretty <laughs> <laughs> uh, And lastly, I, I just a little fun fact. Um, this movie, it seemingly did so well because zombie films are relatively unexplored in South Korea. Like, they're not very common. And I, I think that there's a connection between why the U.S. didn't see as much money like making as much money from us because we are just oversaturated with zombie movies and zombie, mm-hmm. zombie, zombie, zombie. Especially at the time of um, right before this recording, yeah, or not recording, sorry, ever, this movie came out. I agree. It was just nonstop zombies. It, they've slowed down, thankfully, but. The zombies slowed down or the movies coming out slowed down? <laughs> These zombies didn't slow down. These zombies, zombies were not, not slow at all. Yeah. Um, we will definitely get into that in a second. Um, I think it's, is that good? Yeah, fun segue. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Kyle. What cool. you got? Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and go right into the plot. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so we start out. Uh, the opening scene is of a, a man uh, driving down the road. He gets stopped at a checkpoint, um, weirdly enough, and his car is sprayed down. He's like, hey, you guys killed all my uh, livestock last week. Why are you going to do this to me this week? And he they told him, ah, don't worry, just a little bit of a leak, you know, just a little leak at the biotech area. No big deal. Um, uh, he drives, never a big deal. It's never a big deal. Uh, he drives forward and he uh, immediately hits a deer like two minutes later. This guy's just not paying attention. I think he was reaching for his phone or something like that. Definitely a familiar theme on the movies we watch. Just a little hit and run. Not worried about it. Nope. <laughs> you know, deer, small children, a mosquito thing, mosquito thing. Dude, I hate it when they take their eyes off the road. Uh I hate it. (laughs) You know how many times I've been in the car with you with your phone in your hand? So I wouldn't even want to hear that from you. (laughs) Well, when I'm watching it in a movie, I hate it. When I'm doing it, it's fine. (laughs) Just makes me feel anxious. Right, Mike? I mean, uh, (laughs) how many mosquitoes, how many mosquitoes, deer, or children has Dan hit? Uh, Well, I would say more. Deer than mosquitoes, but more children than deer. We're a lot of speed bumps. So, <laughs> and he always just says, ah, these damn roads, man. There's just so many bumps on my. Uh, I believe that was uh, a, a human being you hit. He's like, yeah, it's fine. New Jersey, We're am what? I right? We're in a the infrastructure school. <laughs> We're walking here. Yeah, we'll walk in here. Uh, yeah, so he gets out of his car. He checks his car. Uh, he sees the deer goes, Oh, well, gets back in his car and drives off Uh, as he drives off. The deer uh, wakes back up in like the coolest fashion, just like gets up kind of like backwards jelly kind of thing and then uh, contorts itself back into a standing shape. And it cuts to the eyes, like the white eyes. And then it just cuts to the uh, to the opening credit slash like title scene, which is which is great. Um, I was hoping they were going to do that. they they did have a, a nice camera pan at that point as well, where the, the camera panned from the car back over to the deer and they, you got to see the, the wilderness on the outside. That was nice. Uh, and then uh, they cut over to our uh, main character, pretty much uh, main character. Um, I have him here as finance man. Uh, finance man is financing pretty hard. Uh, he's 
doing deals. He's making people sad. He's making people happy. He has absolutely no regard for people. He, he says to his assistant, uh, do this terrible thing, which was like sell all the stock or something. And uh, he's like, but sir, isn't that good? He's like, hey, do you want to be a lemming or do you want to be a winner? And I was like, OK, this is like strict 80s businessman. <laughs> Sounded like a line straight out of uh, some Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm hmm. Selling I just thought of Matthew McConaughey from Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Same character. Yeah. I I kind of got did did anyone else get a liar liar feel when he was like, "What a kid's like." And then, yes. Yes. <laughs> and then the daughter like opens it up, and like I was expecting her to be like baseball stuff, and it'd be like baseball <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Showed like how much. It showed he definitely did not pick it out himself. It no. showed that he doesn't know what his daughter has and doesn't have. He's not the most attentive father because the camera pans up after she opens a gift, which is Nintendo Wii, and it shows you she's got an identical Nintendo Wii sitting on the dresser. All right, and we we get there right after um, right after our our main character asks that question. He ends up back at home. You meet the grandmother, who's like a very minor character, and she's she's very sweet, very nice. Um, and yeah, he brings the present. And is like, oh, you thought I forgot it was your birthday, and it, yeah, it's a Nintendo Wii. And she's like, um, yeah, there's one right there. Uh, my notes here say he got her a Wii, and then I just go, she had a Wii. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, we uh, during this time period, uh, there is some arguing from the dad and the mom who's no longer in the picture on the phone only. Um, she is in a different city. The daughter would love to go see her mom for her birthday. Uh, and mom's like, yeah, just let her go on the train by herself. And the girl's like, let me go on the train myself. She's like five, six. Very young. She's very young. She's yeah, young. I got like a... I got anywhere from six, seven or eight kind of feel out of her. Very mature, but she is very young. Yeah, that's um, that, that's dad vision over there. Dad vision, uh, Eric, is, You're is my welcome. favorite dad vision. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so the daughter's name is uh, Suan, I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Uh, so, yeah, Suan, nicest little girl. She's great. You'll see. Uh, we'll talk about it throughout the movie, but she's terrible just the singer. Best. Well, she was missing her dad. OK, uh, I mean, and she's also a child. They're all okay. Oh, I mean, get, get better. Just, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Rough. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that up. Children are terrible singers. It yeah. doesn't matter which one. They're all terrible. Critic over here. Uh, yeah. All right. Got a bunch of child singer haters. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, yeah, apparently the dad missed her recital, which is the singing part, but it was all on camera. She like just gives up halfway through and it's very sad. Um, and um, then we just pretty much cut to them driving in the middle of the morning, like early morning to the train. Um, it's pretty quick. They just see a bunch of cars and vehicles, and stuff like uh, like police cars and, and train uh, trains. Jesus. Uh, uh, fire mobiles. The fire trucks. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. the one. Fire truck. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? I think it's important. That, that big thing that what are those fire trucks called? Oh, yeah. I, I think we should from now on refer to all fire trucks as fire mobiles. <laughs> well, that's I could think there's only one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, the fire mobile truck uh, and everybody just passes by. There's Wait. a building on fire. Real quick, uh, uh, Jarvis, what were you going to say? 
No, it's, uh, I just want to say it's important to point out that the reason that they're, they're driving right now, they're driving to the train station because um, he has kind of realized, you know, like, shit, man, I, I, I've really failed her. Um, you know, I got her, I got her another way. She wants to go see her mom. Actually, when he enters the room, uh, she's on the phone with her mom under her covers, trying to convince her to let her, uh, you know, take the train alone. So this is him begrudgingly kind of agreeing, uh, to take her to Busan to see her mom for her birthday. Right. And we learn pretty quickly that, that that's pretty much all he wants to do is just drop her off. Like he does not want to be there because they get on the train uh, and within a few minutes he gets a call from uh, the his assistant or whatever. One of the analysts. And he's just like, he's just like, uh, just, you know, send me the thing. I'll be back by lunch. So he full on plans just dropping her off. He does not care. He cares enough to get her on the train and to the mom. But it, he's very much um, he's not looking to win any points here. He's just looking to get the job done and not seem like the worst asshole. Was uh, it? It did break my heart. It was like the the night before when he was talking to his daughter about taking the train to see her mother. She said to him, "You don't have to come with me. I can go alone. Don't waste your time on me." And yeah. that was just wow. Like she knows that she might not be the most important thing in his life. He's a workaholic, and he's spending all. He probably doesn't see it too often. And I think that may have been why he decided, "Oh, I'm going to take her to see her mother." But like you said, it's going to be one of those things like, okay, train's here, go see your mom, and I'm going to just jump right back on and go back to work. Yep. And I I think he just doesn't, he doesn't want to be the worst anything. He just wants to be the almost worst at, at a lot of things. Just not like, not his job, not anything. Like, so when people are like, oh, you're the worst, he's like, well, I have to be slightly better than that. You know, when we saw the train station, immediately, my first thought was, Man, I really miss public transportation in Europe. <laughs> I've never been to Asia, so I can't say in Asia, but man, I really miss it in Europe. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it did have a similar design to, to one that I was on um, in Germany. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Oh, what's the wrong with our public transportation? Besides, besides literally everybody pissing on it? I don't know. <laughs> also, what public You're transportation? Going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see those occasional buses. Mm-hmm. You can smell the piss from outside. Mm-hmm. That, that's how you know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's on time if you could smell the piss from a block away. Mm-hmm. It smells like asparagus. Oh, look, the 215's here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we we get a, a quick glimpse of some of our uh, extra characters that we're going to be following throughout this whole thing. Uh, we have two grandmothers. Uh, they are, one of them is trying to share a boiled egg with the other. Thought that was great. Um, <laughs> uh, the other grandmother goes, when did you boil that? And she's like, ah, just eat it. And they're, they're like the best characters, honestly. Um, I've got a good laugh out of that. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut through the rest of the train and we, we see a bunch of teenage uh, baseball players. And they're they're all playing around. And then the one the one kind of shy uh, boy gets sat next to by, a, a I guess, like Jin, the, the, Jin he. Yeah. Jin he. They're the cheerleader for this whole thing. So she just comes in and with her little name tag saying she's the cheerleader, it sits next to him and then just makes fun of him for being so shy. And then everybody else makes fun of him. And I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But everyone had a hard on for Jin yes. when she walked in. They were like, oh. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's Jin-hee. Oh, uh. 
and yeah uh and then she sat next to the one boy who just didn't want to do anything with her she was like let me listen to your music and she pulls the earbud out of his ear and he's like go somewhere else god uh, Leave me alone. <laughs> uh yeah uh and then we hear that there's been a strike at the industrial park and we meet um the other character the the pregnant woman and uh her super beefy uh husband um uh, i remember no. nobody's names go ahead don't it's it's a uh, it's worth pointing out that as the train leaves, as they're leaving the station, we see kind of like the first uh, hint that mm. the uh, the outbreak has reached uh, their location. But the train leaves just in time. Well, sort of, because right before the train leaves, uh, the this this woman who's got black veins shows up on the train. She's freaking out. She got hit by something and it turns out it was a Zambo and uh, she's in the bathroom. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then what I thought was great was she walked through an entire aisle of of people in a car and then passed out on the floor and nobody got up. Everybody was like, all right. It's fine. Taking public transportation. You always know to ignore those people. <laughs> you keep your eyes forward. Don't react. Don't acknowledge. And the problem just goes away. That is true. Except it didn't so go away. Wait. <laughs> it did not. Real quick. I, I just want to get a shout out because they are my favorite characters in the whole thing. Uh, the couple that you were talking about, that's mm-hmm. the man is Sangwa and the woman is Seong Kyung. Mm. Um, yeah. They, my favorite character, by far my favorite characters in this whole thing. Well, Agreed. except for one, but we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that later. Yeah, so now, he's one of the most he's one of the most popular characters in Korea. Period. Correct. I rec- uh, he, I recognize him, and I don't watch that much Korean film. <laughs> yeah, he's a big deal over there, man. He really is kind of like their their Brad Pitt. Um, and fun fact, his name is I don't know if anyone else wrote this down. Ma Dong Suk. That That's is awesome. his real name, and it is the greatest name I've ever heard. Uh, That's, That's a, a great, great name. name. Uh, is the name of Travis baby number four. Yes. <laughs> um, I believe that's impossible. <laughs> that's what you said last time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he uh, we meet those guys, like I said, we just left off the train platform. We also meet um, we meet the uh, train conductor shortly. We meet a stuffy businessman, which we're not really sure who he is. And then we also meet the the stewardess. I don't know what they call train steward people, but um, attendance. Yeah, attendance, maybe. Um, we meet the homeless man too. Meet the homeless man. Um, everybody's met pretty early on uh, because everything starts to happen quickly. Um, one of the attendants goes to the, the woman I mentioned earlier who passed out and yeah, she's a zombie. Uh, she just grabs hold of her and then she also walks back and has the zombie attacking her neck and all the, the teenage people are just like, huh, that's interesting. And they just stare for a really long time. I was so disturbed. <laughs> I was so disturbed watching that scene. Uh-huh. It took... It took, I think, until like the second or third one of them got attacked that they finally got their bats out and they started going crazy. So, yeah. So then the the train just starts to get inundated with with more zombies very, very quickly. And then everybody that was in the I think the front of the train starts running towards the back. Um, and then all of our characters, uh, the um, Suan is trying to use the bathroom, which is hilarious because she's going to a new bathroom. There's somebody already in it, like a homeless man or uh, the pregnant woman. And then she finally makes it to the bathroom. And uh, 
she's like trapped in there pretty much <laughs> Two, one one thing just so we can get everyone to hate this businessman the mm. ceo uh as you're telling this uh the guy's name is young Suk, and um he makes fun of a homeless guy and says if you don't study you'll end up just like him yeah and, and suan came back and was just like yeah my mom says you're a bad person for saying that and i was like yeah <laughs> and then, I wrote down. I wrote down that he's a male Karen, or in this case, a Karen. <laughs> we should have stayed silent for that one. That was a bad one. Oh, that was great. <laughs> oh, that's I got one, boys. I got one. Um, but, yeah. But his response was, "Well, I guess your mom flunked out of school then." Yeah, he was. He was a jerk. Um, uh, we cut back to the dad and uh, he wakes up to see his daughter missing and is quickly just like, all right, and then checks his phone. Uh, <laughs> he's checking to see what's going on. Um, I think he gets a, another call. Turns out it's not a strike. It's actually zombies in the camera. Uh, the, the TV is now starting to show uh, an outbreak of people. And I thought the misinformation or sorry, the disinformation campaign that the, the government was put up there was just a little too poignant. Uh, for today's day and age, but they were pretty much just came out there like, uh, don't believe what you see. It's OK. Just don't go outside. Because the news was saying, like, everything's fine. You're not in any danger. You're safe. Just stay in your homes. And to see the contrast of that to what was going on in the train with everybody starting to turn. It was, like you said, a little bit hitting too close to home. Yeah. And they everybody's looking at their phones and seeing like uploaded YouTube video. I think the my favorite one out of those like quick clips were uh, and everybody else should have one, too. Hopefully uh, they they had the helicopters flying by with people on them. And then um, those people happen to be zombies and they just dropped off the helicopters on these skateboarders. I, I was like, that's the that's so great. That so, was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I saw that at first, I had to like I had to rewind it and to see what was going on, because I didn't know if. Are these helicopters like dropping the infected bodies on people or are they just like people that were clinging onto the helicopters that just, I guess, got shook off? And I think it was the Hmm. second one. I'd agree with that, but you could take it the other way. Who knows? It was it, it was also at this point where along with like the news, you guys saying like it's a little too it's a little too close to home in today's news cycles. Um, the the two women the two older women when she goes people will protest over anything these days like that was a little Mm -hmm. too close to home for me too i was like oh my gosh like i can't with this and then we we also forget uh how close to well how close in war korea was but both just recently in the 50s and um also just having north korea being there uh, completely because then she goes people would just get tortured for this or something they would all be locked up or something like that back in the day she said back in the day i was like oh man you're right it was like <laughs> 50 years ago so yeah wild oh yeah and then the 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 plane attendant style um uh, response to the uh <laughs> the breakout was uh violence broke out in the cabin but um we're good keep going <laughs> thought that was good um and then we learned that the zombies are not just zombies they are uh they're fast they're real fast and they're pretty smart except they're not like, Dude, I they are and they're not 
I noticed right away is how quickly they turn. Like mm-hmm. Once you get bit, you turn very quickly and you're very aggressive and the zombies were very visceral and they would just attack as soon as they turned. And that was one of those things where sometimes you see the depiction of zombies with these slow lumbering creatures. One of the first things, like the views I saw into faster zombies were 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. which is a movie that came out like early 2000s. So it was a bit before this. And those are fast zombies that would like attack on site as well. They're not your Walking Dead or your no. uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead zombies. Yeah, they're, they're they're definitely the the rate of transmission is always different in zombie movies, and how uh, how they transmit is just through bite, uh, and they are fast. Except they're dumb; they can't use doors, and they're not they don't seem to be smart enough to break down the door too often, which is crazy. Um, and uh, we learn another secret later on as everybody gets pushed back to the back of the cabin um or the the furthest back cabin um they're trying to contact the front and and try to figure out where they're going and where they're not allowed to go and they're coming up to their first city where they're like okay well we're actually going to stop here and then everybody's got to get off turns out thanks to some insider knowledge from both the ceo guy and from our main character that the whole city's being quarantined yeah if you come in you're just going to get shoved somewhere and or you just might get killed who knows um but our main character and suan are able to um divert that sort of almost and then it turns out no i i want to just pause real quick so it, it was actually right before they got there that they found out if they cover their site mm. then then the zombies stop if they can't see you then they don't know that you're not there which makes them the cutest zombies ever yeah it's like you could just play peekaboo with them they (laughs) it is i literally wrote cutest zombies ever where did they go (laughs) yeah oh peekaboo yeah Uh, like have you seen those videos that people do to the dogs with the sheet in front of them yes and that's that's, that's how you get away from these zombies (laughs) um yeah, so during during this last little bit before they make it into the train station and all the other stuff just happened, I think we find out that um, that the main character's mom dies. That, uh, to me, that scene was that broke my heart. That scene because he's yeah. talking to his mom on the phone, and all she cares about is Suwan. She's asking how Suwan's doing. Mm-hmm. She's saying how much she loves Suwan, and you could hear her turn, and you hear a little bit of a growl, and the line goes dead. Yeah. And, the- the last thing she says is like, you know, you you got to make your you've got to make your marriage good again, sort of. And then also she goes, that bitch, and then turns and then growls and turns into a zombie. Um, Famous last words. Uh, lovely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and that was sad. And um, Suan has doesn't really know, but she kind of heard something. Um, but they, they're just going to they're just going to go ahead and bypass that. Uh, this is where we get a scene with um, before they get off the train with with the dad being an asshole. He just tells Suan, hey, it's up to you to just see you through this. Don't help anybody out, because right before this, she helped an old lady sit down. Um, she got up and let an old lady sit in her seat. And so you see like the the disparity between uh, the dad and the, the very loving daughter. Um, and this was right after uh, finance man shut the door on the pregnant woman and mm. running between cars and like, hold the door, hold the door. And he just like slams the door right on him. 
Yeah, he was going to let him just get eaten. So um. I wrote I wrote down that there's a lot of if you're familiar with the Walking Dead video game series, there's a lot of those blank will remember that kind of movements in this mm-hmm. movie. Oh, like, I had the same <laughs> thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I am at so we finally make it to yeah so sorry to, to re come back around here uh, we are now back at the train station the new train station in a different town I can't remember it started with a D it was like Dijoba I don't know but that first station uh, turns out all the military has already been bitten uh, and now everybody's being chased back to the train <laughs> happens very quickly uh, the homeless man helps uh, a couple times here and then they uh, the exact same scene that we just talked about where they blocked off the door is about to happen again in the reverse order we have finance man uh, is being attacked by a zombie and then uh, the pregnant woman's uh, uh, husband is holding the glass door closed and just kind of looking at him and just enough opens it and says, come on, asshole. And then, uh, yeah, they make it. Uh, he makes it back and they're trying to close the door. Uh, and then they go back outside to the trains and then in the train area, uh, we almost lose our grandmas, but they're saved because the young people came and saved them. How nice. Um, the I'm so happy about that. Yeah, the CEO character is an asshole again. Is like, why haven't we started this trade? And the conductor's like, fuck you. We got a lot of people here. Um, and then a bunch of people get on. And then uh, they we cut back to our main character and and all of his buds trying to hold back that glass window. And they finally get it locked. And it only bought them, what, like a quarter of a second of time? Not much time. Not no. much time. Yeah, that much. Um, the lead into that whole train station scene... Uh, it's the first time you see the train pulling into a station. And for me, it was like just a really eerie feeling mm. because the train station is completely empty. Because you don't see any people around, no movement, no cars. And the train pulls to the stop and they're walking through the terminal uh, to the, I think it was the main gate they were supposed to go to. They were ordered by the military over the mm-hmm. radio. Mm-hmm. And as you're going down the escalator, you hear like a low growl. And then mm. you finally see you see the bottoms of the uniforms of the military, and then you see their heads, and they all turn, and they're all zombies, and that's when they all come running up the steps and chase all our characters into the scene you just described in the train station. Yeah, similar to um to the thing where where we feel like very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like even though we went on to this train station, like it still felt claustrophobic, like because. Mm-hmm we're constantly pushed back into that seemingly safe space of the train. I I felt like that was interesting the way they were able to do that. Yeah. That's a good point. The fact of like going down the escalator and be like, Oh, thank God the military. But then realizing that zombies, but not only zombies, military trained bodies that are now zombies Mm -hmm. and seeing how is all of these zombies were able to just sprint and have all this energy now there are military trained zombies running at you. I mean, you know that saying, if there's one thing worse than the military, it's zombies. If there's something worse than zombies, it's militarized zombies. <laughs> 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 Going back to being claustrophobic and back on the train, are, uh, three, we ended up with three sets of characters. We have uh, one set in the front of the train, one set in the middle of the train, and then the final set, which are the, the 
pretty much the three amigos uh we've got we got buff boy we got finance man and we have a young baseball player and uh they get onto like the furthest back train and uh it's it's a fight all the way to the front i thought he was going to do more he uh the the buff guy was going to do more with the baton and the shield but he gave it to the i think he gave it to the finance man he did not need it no (laughs) he already had two big guns with him (laughs) i just thought it was great like how am i going to defend myself against these zombies my thought would never i'm just gonna throw left hooks and right hooks. <laughs> there there was a scene i think it's in the second time they have to face zombies maybe the first time i can't remember but he's punching people they're doing all kinds of different punches he grabs the zombie and does like a superhero like smack into the ceiling smack into the ground thing i was like is this is this a cartoon this is fantastic <laughs> uh do you guys have any uh any good murder scenes at this point for these zombies that was my favorite one where he takes him i wrote down he's an instant action horror hero what the mm-hmm. fuck this dude's insane <laughs> uh, i just love man i just love how that whole setup happens you know <clears throat> so that they're in car nine and they know they have to go to car 13 so you already you, you already know like what they're up against and you know every car has their its own unique set of zombie challenges and they just take them one by one man that whole lead up is fucking phenomenal yeah it was very good um and then probably like almost halfway through so i think they get like one or two cars in uh and then they hit a um they're all about to be taken over because i think it was the i think the the train car with all the young uh baseball players in it the the one that isn't taken over that's with us right now isn't able to hit his own friends so he uh he kind of panics and everybody's about to be taken over and then the tunnel and suddenly the zombies just go huh and they can't see that they've they've completely lost all ability to be able to see and feel apparently uh, <laughs> of our of our heroes and we learn like the fatal flaw which is kind of similar to what was happening earlier is their eyes are just busted they can see in the daylight only because it's daylight but as soon as it turns dark especially like that dark they can't see at all um which our characters use to their advantage um they make some noise um and they're able to distract the zombies enough to get to the next car, which has even more zombies in it. Uh, and then, then here comes the, the the comedy portion of this, which was one of the comedy portions of this uh, movie where they, they take the buff guy's cell phone, which I thought was rude, and just toss it in the back of the train and wait for the zombies to go into the vestibule area. And then they just bypass all the zombies. But the buff dude lost his phone. Um, wait, losing my phone would be the least worry I'd have. It's like I wouldn't come out the other side and be like, God, my phone. I don't have my phone anymore. I'd still be pretty mad. I mean, I would be. I'd be like, why didn't you use your phone? Right. But again, it shows the the main character being kind of selfless and and whatever. But um, so then they they get through and then they're able to finally find uh, in the middle cars, uh, the pregnant wife and the daughter. And I think one of the grandmas and uh then and they get the uh, homeless man of oh yeah and the homeless man and the homeless man don't forget him he uh, is important uh, he is very he important is very important uh and then they uh they they're in a tunnel when they find them and then as soon as they get outside the tunnel they just they all hide into a bathroom and then the three amigos are in there and the scene is it's perfect i love the scene um the three of them are just like cracking jokes at each other and they're they're all loving it they're, they're just having a great time uh the the one guy just goes why is your ringtone so tacky and he was like 
uh, it's a good song. And he looks at the young guy and goes, but how do I change it? <laughs> and I was like, it's a perfect setup. Three uh, of them did make a very good team. Like just both like personality wise and the way they played off each other. And they all worked together to get what they needed to get done. Yeah. This whole film, man, this whole film is just not what you expect out of out of a foreign film. It has a lot of really Western kind of story arcs, but like just that character development too. It's three people from three completely different backgrounds, you know. Um, you know, both monetarily and, you know, at age and, and what have you. And just having that having that witty banter back and forth, man, it really it bridges it bridges a lot of divides. And this is why I think it's such a like such a well done foreign film that most Americans would absolutely love if they if they took the chance to watch it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of those like you were saying, Eric, there, there was a lot of like those class class kind of warfare uh, vibes in the film. And I know the director was going for that. I read in an interview that he did that he was saying that he was trying to go for something along those lines. I don't know if how many of you have seen uh, Snowpiercer. Uh, a lot of these like fighting through the train cars reminded me of that movie. It's uh, another like, Korean American. It's a Korean movie, but it's done in English with uh, Chris Evans stars in it. It's all about like class warfare, a bunch of people uh, on the last train in an ice age. And at the peak of the movie, they're all fighting from the back car because they're the low class up to the front of the car mm. where the high class lives. And just, I got the same feeling when our characters were fighting all these zombies through the train cars, similar thing to what Snowpiercer characters went through to fight through the train. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, Oh, this is um, poignant. Uh, yeah, so they are, our group is able to get through the next zombies, uh, by sneaking past them through the, uh, luggage areas, except, uh, the homeless man accidentally steps on a, uh, a can of soda and alerts the zombies and they have to run through. They are able to run through, except at the front of the car, like we had stated before, they have at this point, um, they have blocked the entry into the car because they, they are starting to get a mob mentality which uh, I thought was great. Uh, I thought it was extremely, I expected it. And then it showed up. Um, But the mob mentality was that they don't know if they're zombies or not, and they don't want to let them in. And the CEO is the head of this mob. Uh, They tie up the door. They don't let them in. And this uh, ends up uh, between the vestibules. This this ends up uh, the point where we lose our our big man. Uh, Big man gets his hand bit by a zombie that was originally hit by a, a bat and he goes up, he gets uh, the zombie slides up the door, bites his hand and uh, he takes the, the hero's uh, defense here and just um, he holds, he, he hodors it. He just holds the door uh, as they are able to run through the other door and uh, they break through and they're able to lock the door and everybody else is safe except for the grandma. One of the grandmas, one of the grandmas also gets taken. It's very sad. The uh, finance man goes up to CEO and just punches him right in the face. And then the CEO goes, uh, look, he's infected. Oh, boy. Uh, everybody hate him. And then everybody does. Uh, but I thought that the, the build up to that was great. It was uh he punches him in the face, says, look, he's turning into a zombie. Uh, he would, who knows that they got hit. And then it's just the CEO and the camera starts to pan away. And then the, <laughs> then the one other guy goes, yeah, he is a zombie, maybe. And then everyone's like, yeah. and it just, it happened so fluidly. I was like, that was good. That was a good scene. 
he that is the classic go-to move is you accuse somebody else of something yeah and that you don't want to be accused of yourself you turn everybody against that person and they get on your side and you get what you want not that i would know any about any of those like, <laughs> i'm not opening that can of worms accuse yeah. before you're accused uh-huh. that's the motto um, the key takeaway is no one get into a train with mike yeah we we know this. This is this, this is the subtitle of any this, zombie movie. It is known. Yes. <laughs> Don't get in a train with Mike. Um I, I do yeah. want to say Yong Suk, I, I think he is the best douchey entitled rich guy that mm-hmm. I've ever seen in any movie. Yeah, he like, may be best guy is the worst. Yeah. Um so uh they are able to uh, they're able to lock up most of the doors, whatever, but they've kicked all of our char- our main characters out um, into the, the next vestibule and uh, the other granny's not having it. She's like, these people suck. You gave your life to these people. I, I'm no, no. And she just selflessly, I guess. I don't really know how to take it, but she opens the door and like uh, lets the zombies in and the zombies just go just wild. Uh, they homegirl hmm? snapped. Yeah. Uh, her like sister just died or friend. I'm not sure, but uh, I think it was a sister. Was sister. Yeah. Uh, sister. had a lot to do with it was she felt she had nothing else to live for. Mm-hmm. She saw her sister die. Her sister was kind of like, seemed like more of a caretaker. And throughout the movie we've seen so far mm. and uh, the way she was being portrayed in the movie, she was kind of like motionless. I thought maybe she maybe died of some kind of natural cause and she was going to turn herself and just spread the whole virus through that car and everybody die. But no. I thought it was more poetic how she just like, yeah, I'm just going to go open this door and let all these Zambos in. Yeah, she gets a good warrior's death. Um, so uh, then we get a loving scene with uh, finance man and his daughter, uh, Suan, and um, he grabs her hand and then she's like, I couldn't sing because you weren't there. It was very sad. It was very cute. And then finally, you start to see this like actual dad wake up um, and he's trying to protect his daughter at this point now, which is I mean, he had been kind of. But now it's not just about him. It seems to be a little bit more about his daughter. So we start to see some character development. Um uh, we finally make it uh, almost to Busan. It's actually the east of the other city that we were just at. It's east of uh, Daijoba. Um, uh, the whole place is on fire. They, they see it already. Um, then uh, the, the, the analyst Kim calls, says, hey, wait, is it our fault that this happened? Because we kind of invested in the company that made this happen. Um, and the dad character or the finance dad finally says, uh, you know what? It's not your fault. It's totally fine. And he just, that's the last thing you need to hear. And he just hangs up. Um, they get to the train yard. Train yard is all messed up. Uh, of course, stopping their, their total pass through to the next city, um, which should be Busan. Um, and the conductor says, professionally, I am going to get us another train. You guys stay in these cars or in the next car. I'm going to go to the leftmost train track. Godspeed. And I was like, this is that's nice. This was almost like a, a Independence Day type speak speech. <laughs> um, then uh, it turns out our, our douchey CEO didn't die in the train car. Oh, uh, he is totally alive in the bathroom. Uh, and 
they get out of the train just in time, I guess, and bring a bunch of zombies with them because another train comes running in. It destroys the uh, one of the trains, almost crushes everybody, almost crushes our main character, Suan and the pregnant woman. And um, we see a scene as they're trying to get out of uh, of the CEO running up to the the young girl and uh the young baseball player as they're trying to smash their way through a a set of trains and he just takes the girl and throws her at the zombie and i was like oh my god could you get worse he is the worst man uh yeah so she gets bit she starts to turn and uh our our young baseball friend just holds her as she dies and then she turns into a zombie and then bites the hell out of him in like a very poetic romeo juliet style death (laughs) I got a little choked up at that part. That part was pretty sad. It was very sad. I, was, I got very upset about that. Um, definite compelling deaths in this, man. Mm-hmm. For sure. It was really good acting. <laughs> um, and then we see uh, the CEO gets through the window and they, they just cut to him like he's already gone. Like they don't even watch him go out the window pretty much They're like that. Ah, just ignore him. Uh, he's chasing after the conductor who uh, is about to get a train started or did get a train started or something. And he then he takes the train conductor and throws him at the zombies. I'm like, you motherfucker. This was, <laughs> this was kind of joking, but not really joking. The most upsetting death to me, because if you think about it, this whole movie was possible because of the train conductor. So therefore, he is the most important member of the entire cast. And I realized that he's the hero of the whole story. The unsung hero. Absolutely. I said that the best character has died at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. By this uh, point, to me, even like they, every action this CEO took was in his own interest. He sacrificed and caused the deaths of numerous people. Because mm-hmm. they, uh, even with the train conductor, the train conductor was on the train, and you have your COO like running to the train to get on. He like rolled his ankle on the train tracks, and that's when the train conductor came to save him. And then the train conductor, he pulls the train conductor down as a distraction. And gets up himself and runs to the train. So every action this man took was to save himself. Yeah. And for me, that was too much. He sacrificed everybody. He was only looking out for himself. And he was just a piece of garbage, to be honest. We we do get a a, a wicked ankle roll though. He rolls his ankle like on the train lines. It was pretty gnarly. But the way it looked like he just, at least when I was watching it, it looked like he just stood on it and his ankle just went nah. Uh, yeah exactly it was just like ah fuck <laughs> uh yeah so that was that was great um but yeah so the ceo gets on the um on the uh engine car that's that's running and that's pretty much the only thing they've got so far uh the homeless man comes I- into play here finally uh not that he hasn't yet but this is his uh his final scene because he is able to hold back the zombies as the pregnant woman uh, and Suan, who are still trapped under the train cars, uh, try to get out as a finance man pulls them out. Uh, he's they kind of just give him like a head nod kind of thing. And he just takes all the zombies. It's, it's very it's very sad. Um, so he selflessly, even though he had no attachment to these people and even less attachment. And uh, throughout the movie, they, they kind of point to the fact that he might have some sort of uh uh, like mental disorder or something like that. Um, he just he just pulls up and, and just it takes this whole thing. And it, it's great. Um, I kind of read him as like he had witnessed the start of this. Yes. Because throughout the whole movie, he was saying, no, they all died. They're all dead. Yeah, it was, all... it was very so. PTSD um, 
from just then. So he he's been witnessed the whole thing, but yet he's still come in and saved everybody. He was he was very selfless this whole movie. It was it was, it was a good character. Um, what I, what I took away from that with him doing that is like, especially like the C the CEO guy like talked down to him, treated him like shit. But like our main characters, like they still kept him alive, protected him. Like they still treated him like a human being. Mm-hmm. Even though like, he's, you know, to everyone else, like he's just some crazy, dirty old homeless man. And I just think in that moment, he looked at it as like, I mean, if I survive this, like, I, what do I have going on in my life? But, you know, these people, they have so much to live for. Not that he didn't, but you know what I mean? Yeah, especially with the pregnant woman and, and the little girl. Yeah, I could see I, that. I think that I think that because they put the two scenes back to back, right? They showed the selfishness of the CEO mm-hmm. and then the selflessness of the homeless man. By the way, that's actually his name in the titles, homeless man. <laughs> um, so I, and I think that there was a connection there with the main character, with the dad, because we, we get this great story arc from him. Right. And it's like, he starts off just like the CEO. He's even telling his daughter, he's like, you have to look out for yourself. You only look out for yourself. And then as his arc continues, he starts to become more selfless. And he's like, Oh my gosh, we have to look out for each other. We have to be there for each other. So I think there's some connection there between uh, the selfishness of the rich and the selflessness of someone who doesn't have as much wealth and connection to the main character. Yep. Absolutely. One of our first finance man's character changes is uh, saving the homeless man because they're going through the train cars. And when the homeless man steps on the can and alerts all the Zambos, you see a finance man go back and help him. He doesn't just run away and save himself. Absolutely. The character's, uh, are running to go get onto the train because they've all gotten away now onto the one final train where the C- COO guy is and a literal wave of zombies almost washes over them um, but they're able to make it to the uh, to the train car engine thing and uh, the zombies start attaching to it and then they end up using themselves as like a, a placemat for another zombie to run on top of them and that was terrifying I, I got very like strong vibes of uh, World War Z mm-hmm. in this scene because that movie and this scene shows like the zombies is more like moving like a fluid and using each other to climb on top of each other and just that ever growing trail of zombies dragging behind the train car and you see that there's so much weight being pulled by this engine and it's slowing the train down and the finance man realizes he has to do something to get these zombies off. The train. So he just does some like really shitty kicks for like just, uh, like five minutes. <laughs> it seems like his kicks are doing absolutely nothing because they're just zombies. They don't feel pain necessarily. So he's like, eh, and then eventually one of them just loses grip and then all of them collapse with them. So uh, the train pulls off. They're able to start going forward. And then this is where our characters find out the COO is actually in the, the train conductor position. Uh, but... Bum, bum, bum. he's actually a zombie or starting to become a zombie he's turning but he's turning very slowly i don't know why um but somewhere uh, he's bitten. it was plot convenience yeah i guess so uh because he it was the sense of duty that's what did it <laughs> the sense to the... of duty and loyalty to the train uh, yeah because we didn't mention <laughs> it but he's the c coo of the train company that they're on so that's uh, his duty yeah mm-hmm. i i put down that he was 
this guy was so privileged that he turned into a zombie and he was the only zombie that could open the door. Yeah. That's, that's all I could. <laughs> I mean, privilege has to get you something. I guess I didn't so. Want to see a, oh, I didn't want to see a worse death from him because he did get off very easily. He didn't get like consumed by the zombies. And no. all, basically he, him and finance man had a fight on the train and then finance man throws him off the train. And I they, just want to see him get like consumed by a wave of zombies. Yeah, I also found it weird that they they also almost they, they humanized him. Finally, I, I I didn't care for that. Like he was a bad guy the whole film, and then the, they decided to humanize him. Uh, he's he's like mumbling before he dies, and he's like, "Mister, can you please take me back home? My mommy's waiting for me in Busan." And he's like, "You're turning into a zombie." And he's like, "Oh, I am." Ah! And then he turns into a zombie. I was like, "You humanized him. He wasn't get out of here." Okay. <laughs> I didn't like that, but they um, there is a, a pretty OK fight scene. And then our main character does the unthinkable and grabs a zombie by the mouth. How are you going to grab a zombie by the mouth? And then they they grab he grabs him and then uh, chains himself up to the, the train and uh, kind of falls off the train with the zombie, but lets go of him. And then the zombie goes away, but he's still hanging by the, the chain, which is pretty cool. That was a pretty cool scene. Um and then uh, he comes back up. Everybody knows the last three of them know that he's been bitten and it's very sad. It's the saddest scene in the whole film. Uh, the the dad is crying with the daughter and then takes her to the, the cabin is like, everything's going to be fine. Um, and then just quickly dips like he just leaves, locks them into the, the, the front cabin, goes to the back of the engine uh, and just starts crying as he starts turning into a zombie and remembering when his daughter was first born and how much he loved it. And there's like really nice, close, feathery shots of like toes and, and like cute baby things. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck you. This is so sad. <laughs> like melodramatic. Like yeah. They're trying to like drive the point home too hard. Yeah. But it showed that he is his last thoughts were about his daughter. Yeah. And that's all he cared about at that point. I told you and uh, Kyle and Chris this earlier, but I cried at this part. Like, I don't have any kids or anything, but like that was just like just watching the daughter screaming because she's so upset about it. And then just him just breaking down and ripping her hand off of him as she's trying to keep him there. And she runs to go and get him and he runs away from her, slams the door on her and then runs to the back. And like it was just it was heart wrenching to watch that emotion. Yeah, it was good acting all around. Both uh, we've talked about like child actors before. She was fantastic. She was great. Um, we haven't spoke about her too much in detail, but like every time she was called upon to like convey any kind of emotion, whether it be like the extreme like drama and the despair at the end when her, she realized she wasn't going to have a father anymore, to the beginning when she was kind of like dismissive towards him and mm -hmm. felt like unloved by him. Just every step of the way and just the joy when she was playing around with the homeless man and joking around. She covered all the emotions well and she was an incredible actress for her age. Absolutely. Just knocked out of the park. So uh, dad falls off. They take the train as far as they can, but it looks like the tunnel in front of them is fully blockaded. A uh, bunch of dead zombies, bunch of like um, uh, defensive uh, pieces are there and then they uh they walk through the tunnel and there is military people and they've got guns pointed at them and the person over the the walkie's like can you tell they're zombies no 
kill them. And then you see him line up the shot. And right before he takes the shot, you hear uh, Suan singing the song from earlier that she wasn't able to sing because her father wasn't there and kind of walking with the pregnant woman uh, through there, through the, the dark alley. And then the um, the military men notice and they go and grab them. And then the film kind of cuts to black. That was our plot. That took a while, but um, it's a really good movie. It's a dense Very movie. Good movie. It was it was dense with like there wasn't a lot of like difficulties for me to go through here. Like it was it was pretty like cut and dry, but like it was there was a lot going on. I, I appreciated it. Um, but before we get into that, before we start going into, um, I, I guess, our ratings and everything, this is where we would cut to an ad if we had one. It's not an ad this week. We just have another shout out. Uh, this week's shout out goes to another one of my favorite places to go to. It's uh, Crazy Earl's Hibachi Grill and Discount Pet Store. Uh, Crazy Earl's is the actual only place to go for hibachi lovers looking to adopt themselves a new furry friend. They always come at a steep discount. Crazy Earl's will cook your food right in front of you. Always can browse for a new pet to take home. At Crazy Earl's, no one can say no to all the meat you can eat and all the pets you can get. They have a special offer going on right now for half off all exotic animals with the purchase of two adult entrees. Crazy Earl's, where everybody either goes home with a doggy bag or a doggy in a bag. Crazy Earl's Hibachi Grill and Discount Pet Store. We love you. So, yes, uh, let's get down to cinematography, guys. Um, I think we said it before, Ed cramped, stuffy, everything was small but big. Um, the the shots were great. The the actual like lighting was perfect. Uh, I don't think it was too dark. It was easy to see, but you you got conveyed that it was dark at times and light and everything. It, it was good. Um, at my I think I said it earlier. My favorite part was uh, when they when they panned over to so you could see the um, the landscape in the background with the deer. Honestly, it was it was a great shot. A lot of this movie felt claustrophobic because most of it does take place in the train. And even when they're in the train station, there's no, not really any wide open areas that these people are in the whole movie. And mm-hmm. it, it was done very well. Like it all felt like it was in a train. It didn't feel like it was being faked or like on a wide open set. So just those tight knit quarters that all the characters were into was very effective in showing you the claustrophobia they had. When you do have something like that, when it is such a tight, space um and you get that claustrophobic feel uh if it's a good director they really make the scene be kind of become a part of the character and you could see that in parts where we see the homeless man step on the step on the um on the can uh we see them take notice of the bags that are being held up above the head of the um the people who are sitting down um so it, it really becomes like the setting becomes a character in itself um, because we have such tight, close spaces. And I, I love it when directors can convey that well. Mm-hmm. You know, claustrophobia, obviously the, the recurring theme. Uh, to expand on that a little bit, really what I got out of it was um, like segmentation and seclusion, right? So each car was, you know, unique in its own way. Once we started getting through, like, you know, which cart was infected and this and that. And it really kind of showcases itself in that, you know, going from boxcar nine to boxcar 13 setting, you know, when, you know, we, we just, we go through the first car and we hit the first group of zombies. Okay. Boom, boom. All right. We get some character development there. And then, 
you know, the next car is, is the baseball guy's buddies, his baseball team. So each one was in and of itself, you know, kind of kind of this different nightmare. Um, so we got this seclusion, um, you know, which car is safe Are any of the cars safe because we have these bathrooms, you know, there there's, you know, these kind of narrow passageways, but there are places to hide. And it was beautifully shot and beautifully done. Um, the camera work was great. That's why, honestly, uh, Dan, earlier I asked you, I was like, are you sure this was only eight point five million? Because it has has that feel of such a high budget film. World War Z was what, like a hundred million on a on on the budget, something something close to that. And we see some of the same themes and even some of the same uh, the same kind of techniques uh, with the zombie storytelling, the pile ups, uh, the fact that, you know, they can be kind of more fluid. Um, they use their body mass to kind of break through things, but uh, similar camera techniques and similar similar CGI that kind of gave the same effect. I loved it. Can't believe it was done for so cheaply. Um, it was it was just phenomenal. I had such a hard time watching it and and taking notes because really I'm I'm just here to make funny. I'm here to make funny side jokes, guys. I I don't offer a whole lot more than that. Um, but there's really not a lot to pick apart in this movie. It's phenomenal. It really is. Yeah, they, they did a good job at, um, uh, you know, kind of kind of taking the the funny and kind of throwing it at you, which was good. Like they actually had some actual comedy in this. So even the parts that were supposed to be funny, they were. And uh, the parts that were not supposed to be funny, they actually did pretty well at not being funny. So I, I agree. It was hard to, to kind of joke about this movie because it's just good. Now, some scenes they did use humor to break the tension. Yes. You, they, you'd witness this like very tense fight and you'd, all these characters would be spent. And then you'd just see them like hanging, like what happened before, we were talking about before they were hanging out in the bathroom, kind of joking around with each other. Hmm. And then they immediately go right back into another fight. Yeah. They, they kind of did some tenderness in between if it wasn't about funny and they, they really did bring the movie back in front and just kind of got your adrenaline back and pumping again. So yeah, I, I think the cinematography and everything was, was fantastic. Um, and going into that kind of adrenaline and pumping and everything sound and music, the zombie sounds were good. The, all the sound effects were fantastic. Uh, the music, I don't think it had a, it was there, but I don't really remember it to be honest. And most of it was like, environmental dumps. sounds and dump dumps any good dump dumps a good dump dump mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> it's a very uh very atmospheric and you hear what, what you would actually hear if you were in that situation yourself it didn't need much music the background noise and the environmental sounds built the scenes well enough on their own agreed um anybody else got anything for sound music i got nothing okay no, I, I agree mike Okay. That brings us to our spoopy meter. Yes, it is. Dan, what are we rating this movie on? I imagine it's a grandiose scale. So originally, like I told you guys before, I was thinking of something funny, like how many people died in this. But I honestly, uh, this movie's so good that I really wanted a genuine scale. So we're only going to do a zero to three scale. And that's based off of how long it takes to get from Seoul to uh, uh, Busan. And it takes about three hours to get there. So we're going to do a zero to three scale. <laughs> okay. I like that. 
I mean, all genuine scales I've ever used go from zero to three. So it's a good Absolutely. Uh, we, yeah. we, we had this argument on the first episode that we did. <laughs> because you did like zero to 1.6 or something. No, it was zero to three. <laughs> okay. And Mike was like, I've never done a zero to three scale before. <laughs> and I was like, it's either good or it's not. This I is fair. Say, my jokes hey. might not be good, but they're consistent. <laughs> I mean, he can't use that argument now because we have record of him you know, doing that scale before. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back on it. It might have been a zero to two scale. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I, I as far was, as... But I wasn't going to point that out. <laughs> as far as Spoopy goes, uh, I would rate it... Um, out of three, I'd give it... I'd give it a one and a bit, maybe one and a half. It wasn't terribly spooky, but like it, it really did cut into modern time disinformation campaigns and, um, you know, just the overall dread of being stuck in a train with zombies. That was pretty rough. Uh, but yeah, I'd uh, give it like one and a half. I wasn't terrified, but it it did its job. I'm going two, man. I'm going two, going two overall. Um, and you know, I I think it was just a really responsibly done movie in in terms of all the different ways it scared you. You you're, you hit it right on the head, man. Um, because it was from you know, you know, uh, it, the government is trying to downplay what's happening, and like we see people are biting each other and then turning and doing like Michael Jackson spin moves, and then they're coming <laughs> after me, man. What are you talking about? So, but what I what I really liked about it, um, and it was kind of summarized when they were looking on the online. Uh, on like the YouTube videos, all the zombie attacks, and they're realizing, you know, this train ride is not an isolated incident. There's no reprieve on the outside. This is happening everywhere. The first station that they don't stop at, they mean to stop at, is kind of where they see it up close. And that's when they start to get the sense of, oh, shit, you know, this is this is not going to end, uh, you know, so simply. So I think they did a lot of responsible things in terms of uh, what was scary, the light, um, the absence of light in the tunnel. And, you know, just when is the when is the when are we coming out of the tunnel? And, you know, are we uh, are we going to be caught between the zombies, between uh, the train cars? I thought it was good, man. I thought it was scary. I, th- I think they were they, they used a good a lot of good techniques. So, yeah, two overall. I will. I'm, I'm going to go with Jarvis. I'm I'm going for a two overall. Uh, I I felt like, and for and for Spoopy, I'm going two for both. And in terms of Spoopy meter, I I felt like it wasn't one of those movies where I felt uncomfortable and like on the edge of my seat like the whole time. And there were like these violins chirping in the background. It's really dark. It was more of like a in your face kind of thing where. Uh, there's something bad about to happen. And I found myself on literally on the edges of my couch and I'd be like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't let that happen. No, please don't die here. And um, whenever I find myself getting that much into it, like I have to give the movie props for that mm-hmm. um, in terms of spooky, because it's given me a gut reaction uh, in terms of a movie overall. I, I actually I'm going to go three for a horror movie, mm-hmm. uh, not overall, but for a horror movie, I, I'm going to give it a three because I, I think that this has all the elements for a zombie movie that you want. I think the special effects were amazing. Oh, my gosh. The wave of zombies was terrifying. Um, I And then it just had all those undertones that we talked about before. Like it 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 talks about class. Um, it. Like that, we have a great arc with the dad. It's the characters are great. The actors are fantastic. I 
I just think the movie was very good. It, it was great storytelling. It was very emotional. And so, yeah, two and a three for me. It was still a better love story than Twilight. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Hell, no doubt. Chris? Uh, I'm kind of with you and Dan on this with overall, I'm giving it a three, but like on the spoop factor, more like the 1.5 because wasn't really scared at any point, but also like Dan, a lot of moments were kind of on my edge of my seat. Cause I'm just like, oh, it's just, I know something's going to happen. I know it's going to be bad. I know it's going to upset me and still was kind of like, not scared, but just like surprised every time it happened. And I just, I honestly didn't think I was going to love this movie as much as I did. I just thought like, I'm sure there's going to be moments where I'm just going to kind of like, you know, drift off, not really pay attention, have to rewind it and figure out what I missed. And I didn't stop looking at the screen the entire time. I was just sucked into this movie. Nice. So yeah, I would say overall three out of three loved every moment of it. Nice. So I'm pretty much in line with Kyle and my spoopy and Chris and my spoopy meter. I would also give a one in a bit. It wasn't like so much in your face scary. It was more of a like overall dread and tenseness to it. And you have to see the characters go through all these different situations and overcome all these obstacles to get to the destination. And overall, as a movie, I would give it two in a bit. Uh, the only thing I would say that worked kind of against it. Well, I mean, it was a great movie, but it did have everybody fit into like a character archetype. And at points, it did get a little melodramatic. And But I mean, I would definitely recommend this movie. It's a very good example of Asian horror. It's a very good example of horror in general. And it's a, it's a very good zombie movie. It's a better than a lot of the other ones that fit that category. Agreed. Very cool. Um... So uh, I, I think as a recommendation, I think we recommend it. Right, guys? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, definitely give it a watch. It's everywhere. Um, I can imagine you could probably even find it somewhere for free. Um, yeah. So I think we will uh, move on from here. Uh, I want to thank our uh, our uh, you guys for listening. I want to thank um uh andrew cavanaugh for doing our intro and outro music uh i want to thank connor mcleod for doing our uh our icon and our artwork for this uh i also want to kind of employ you got implore you guys uh go check us out on all the spotify itunes uh wherever you get us from give us a little rating if you can um leave a little subscription somewhere comment on stuff uh we also have a twitter we have instagram the twitter is now at horrible friend just one and then our instagram is horrible friends we're trying to keep with horrible friends uh just like the podcast name but uh twitter's not too kind to us uh we also have a gmail uh you can find that in the description uh all the links to all of our people that uh help us out with this are in the description as well and uh again thanks for giving us a listen um i don't know that we have a movie for next time anybody got that i think next time we're gonna try and do a live recording for velocipaster yeah i don't know if going to come out next week but that's definitely in the future yeah i think um 
we'll we'll try to push that out if that doesn't work out for next week i think the next move we actually have on uh for podcast is a cure for wellness so give uh either one a, a good watch and uh specifically skip over velocipaster <laughs> uh and i think that's it uh chris do you have anything to say to everyone thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time